You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Indians podcast. This is Jeff Ellis. Uh, looking forward to some feedback. I'd like to kind of hear what people think about the all-time series, hear how it's uh, going, your thoughts, um, your take on it as fans of the show. Should we do more historical segments, less historical segments? Part of me is tempted to, you know, go back and look at old draft classes or, you know, this day in box score history. Once we have the season, you know, we'll have pretty much something to talk about every single day. But uh, there might be something where we set outside like Mondays because those are often sometimes off days as a uh, history day. And that just becomes the, the history podcast of the week. Um, just something to think about going forward. On today's show, we have news both uh, some with the Indians, some with other people, and news that could have a pretty dramatic effect on the Indians' playoff chances, if we're being 100% honest. Um, You know, the Indians' best chance to the playoffs is likely still through uh, the wild card, and there's a chance that their path to the playoffs got significantly easier after what we saw today, which was Justin Verlander is going under an MRI following a tricep injury. Um... Now, Verlander is not a young man uh, at 37 years of age. He's a pitcher who's had a lot of wear and tear on himself. Um, Frankly, I'm kind of shocked he's managed to hold up as well as he has over the years. There was a point in time when I thought Justin Verlander's career was was nearing the end, and I thought that his contract would become quite onerous. And that was around 2014, 2015, when he was not quite the same guy he was uh, in that stretch. He was just such a stellar pitcher from 2009 through really about 2012. And then 2013, we started to see some regression, and then it continued for the next two years. Uh, He rebounded from that, and, you know, that 2014 year, I really, that was the year where I thought uh, the wheels were coming off a bit. I was wrong. Uh, I was very wrong. He has been stellar uh, for the Astros. I'm not going to imply anything. It's just odd. He's been almost too healthy for the you know a guy with uh, almost three thousand innings pitched over his career, and the Astros. Let's just put it this way: I wouldn't be surprised if the India Astros were somehow like we've seen that they're willing to go so far as to bang on trash cans if they're not you know making their own uh, coladas of illegal health supplements and the like. Uh, basically, at this point, I'm not putting anything past the Astros. They are essentially the big bad wolf of the MLB. But, uh, you know, Verlander's had a Hall of Fame career. He's been an incredible player, an incredible talent. Uh, I feel bad for him in the regard that, you know, here's a guy who had finally won a World Series and now he's got a huge taint to it. Uh, but that tricep injury, the Astros are kind of already in trouble. Like, if you weren't paying any attention at all, um, you know, they, they lost... Charlie Morton a year ago, they let him walk, and then they followed that up, of course, by losing Garrett Cole. Uh, Jose Urtique is kind of a back-end top 100 guy. Um, he is more of like a, probably like a 3-4 type. Right now, he's set up to be their number two. Zach Grinke is, you know, over 36 and did not have the best uh, record uh, numbers when he uh, was traded for and acquired by the Astros. Lance McCullers Jr. has been unable to stay healthy. 
they added Austin Pruitt, who was a starter for uh, the uh, Moment Blanky on the Rays a year ago. And they've got some guys like Brad Peacock, which have, who has experience starting. Uh, Forrest Whitley is, um, is down there, should be ready to go, ready to help out. You know, Francis Marte was suspended for steroid use. Uh, he was another guy who, through the pen or as a starter, might have gotten a chance to help with uh with the Astros there are other kind of options Cy Sneed was a was an interesting prospect uh Ciano Perez is, was an interesting prospect these are guys though that just have not broken through yet um I thought Forrest Whitley had already uh so he's still a non-roster invitee which makes him less likely to uh to break camp Kent Emanuel has some experience as a starter, uh, former third-round pick by Houston. So th- they've got some choices, some guys to fall back on, but uh, it- it's hard to look at a team right now where you're talking about... So I, we'll get into you know whether or not they're still a, a slam-dunk team, but, you know, Grinke, Yurdequay, McCullers, Josh James, and Frambar Valdez is who Roster Resources is projecting. That is not ideal... Um, you look at, I mean, the reason that they're still going to compete is that offense. When you got Springer, Altuve, Brantley, Bregman, Guriel, uh, Jordan Alvarez, Carlos Correa, Josh Reddick, that's, that's your top eight. Uh, catcher is, is much weaker this year with Maldonado as a defensive specialist, but just going through the names I mentioned, uh, I mean, I've talked about how I'm a big Miles Straw fan. Uh, I thought they got Al Demez Diaz to kind of fill a Marwin role. And I thought he was a great get by them a year ago. And Kyle Tucker is still, you know, one of those guys who people are waiting to settle in and become a a middle-of-the-order bat. I will caution, it is always weird to me when someone like that hasn't done that yet. I mean, Jordan Alvarez is younger than him. Somehow he got that uh, everyday spot before uh, Tucker got there. So there is some of that. And when you look at their prospects, um, I really, really like Abraham Toro. Like, I think he's someone that... uh, if I was a team, okay, if I was the Indians, I would be trying to see if I could get Toro out of there for one of our lesser arms. Like, honestly, I would. I, I think Toro is one of those under-the-radar prospects that's just phenomenal. Brandon Belak, Bilak is another guy in AAA who could be a starter for them this year. One of those guys I think everyone has heard me talk about in the past that Notre Dame was terrible at development. He was a guy who underperformed at Notre Dame, uh, did not develop well. I believe was a senior actually when he was taken in in the draft was a little bit older and uh we'll see what he can uh do with the opportunity um because i think he will get an opportunity this year but uh yeah toros is my favorite in that system and i would totally help them out because i think if you can get someone like toro at the cost of someone like pletko you do it today tomorrow and forever because toro uh honestly no matter what happens, you can find a role for him with the Indians. I, I just, I think he's one of those underrated, really underrated prospects in baseball. Last year in Double A, eleven percent walk rate, seventeen percent strikeout rate, sixteen home runs, a one fifty three runs created plus. And then when he got to Triple A, it was only uh, seventy nine plate appearances, but a one seventy nine runs created plus. So yeah, that's uh, utterly, utterly phenomenal. And I'm sure it's easy to see why I would love to get an addition like him. That's kind of your big news. I mean, again, it's honestly going into the year, I thought the Athletics were the favorites in that division. I thought that uh, Oakland had 
too many of their own problems to uh, to repeat. I didn't trust their pitching staff. With this, I think that makes it even easier for the uh, the Athletics to be the division winners. And when you look at it this way, I think, I mean, I'm going to go against the board in mo- most places because I think the Rays are the clear-cut best team in the East. I know. I'm crazy. They have so much more depth, and they have better pitching. So I'm going to stick to that one. So I think the Yankees are pretty much a wild-card team. And the question is, who gets that other wild-card? Now, I, I still think... Basically what happens with the Indians is I see them as a high-variance team. I could easily see them finishing first and winning the division. I could easily see them finishing third in the division. Uh, you know, a year ago, guys like Saval, Plesak, and Pletko probably pitched better than we can hope. That If that's their high end, there's a chance they all come back to earth. If they all come back to earth, it's going to be ugly for the Indians. But if they don't, and a few other guys step forward, and, you know, Ramirez is himself for a full year, Fran Mill is does what he does in the first half for a full season. Uh, all of a sudden, the Indians could very easily take that division. But more importantly, with a Verlander down, this really opens up that chase, I think, a bit more. And I think, you know, the Indians and the Astros and maybe the Blue Jays, don't sleep on the Blue Jays. They're really interestingly put-together team, are going to be all chasing for that second wild card. So I want to give a quick shout-out to the Locked On fantasy podcast it is getting close to that time of year i know i have people uh texting messaging me uh people i feel like i have not talked to since high school and college this is when they come out of the woodwork and ask what what uh what deep miners guy can i track down who is this year's pete alonzo listen to the locked on fantasy uh baseball podcast to get that type of information from people who are much better at it than i am so let's talk about the news of the day when it comes to the indians which was the francisco lindor uh the news, not news situation, um, that he is halting extension talks. Now, I think anyone who is being honest with themselves knew that uh, Francisco Lindor was not signing an extension in Cleveland. There is no way that was going to happen. No chance, no how. Uh, when you look around what's happening with like the White Sox, or now we're hearing that the Rays are opening up with some of their other players, or you go back and you look at Ronald Acuna, that was all done pre-arbitration. These were all guys who were signed when they, you know, were not close to free agency. We're going to make league minimum for like three years, and they gave some of that up. Uh, that is not what's happening with Lindor. And then, you know, they talked about. He already said that uh, the Yelich deal, which had 188.5 million of new money, wouldn't hold any appeal. Um, and he says he's personally studied what would be fair for both sides. That was also interesting that he said if the Indians had a 120 million dollar payroll. They could definitely afford him. Uh, what's interesting is they're currently in 91. So I wonder how much a year. Because, you know, he's already at like 19 million, a little bit more, right? So is he saying that it would take 40 million a year? I don't think he's saying that. But I, I definitely think that he's thinking something like 30, 31, 32. Um, I think it's just, it's it's an impossible situation for the Indians. Um the deal isn't going to get done. You know, you look at the Yelich situation, you know, and Lindor's saying all the right things. Do he wants to stay here and this and that? But I don't, he, I don't think he wants to necessarily go, but I don't think he's, his heart is in Cleveland. I, I don't. Um, you know, you look at the Yelich situation where he like, or Carlos Carrasco with the Indians where they sat down, they hammered it out. They found a way to make it work. You look at, you know, Yelich, what is it? that like $50 million of his contract is in deferred money that is going to be down the line to help uh, that deal get done. Uh, that's not happening with Lindor. I don't see him taking deferred money. Uh, I don't see him taking a massive part of his contract to get deferred money. Um, I don't think if the Indians had the money to sign him, we would see him crying at the press conference. 
I mean, he likes it in Cleveland. I, I'm not saying anything other than that. I think that he, he enjoys his teammates. He enjoys the situation he knows well. But I think he's also um, looking forward to leaving. I do. I think he's looking forward to going to a bigger market, being a bigger star, going to a place that um, probably has a, a stronger Hispanic community where the marketing money would be stronger. Um, and, and just in a, you know, b- baseball is the one sport where, you know, being a big market helps. You know, if he goes to the Yankees, Lindor's going to get more money. I mean, that's just from advertisements and the like than he will in Cleveland. This is the one sport where we see that, where, you know, uh, very talented players can get a bit buried. Uh, so I, I think he likes it. I think, you know, maybe you could say all things, if the Indians and the Yankees offer the same amount, I think he might stay, but I also, I'm not sure about that. I, you know, it's enough for me to sit back and go, I think he's kind of, you know, I think it's very analogous to the LeBron situation. I think he's, he likes it here. I think he has nothing but positive feelings about Cleveland, but I think he's kind of looking forward to a new step in a big market and a chance to make a splash. And I honestly don't think there's any amount of money that could convince Francisco Lindor that his uh, his career needs to be in Cleveland. And, you know, every bit of information we get about that Yelich deal, which kind of reopened all the books on this, is just shows how completely unlike the Lindor situation it was and how much Yelich gave up to stay. And that's, like I said, that, that's not the case here. Uh, Frankie can't wait for free agency. Um, it would pretty much have to make him the highest paid shortstop of all time to get him to even consider not going to free agency. Um, I've loved having him here. I will look forward to watching his career develop, but there is no no home count, hometown discount. There is no uh, big incentive. And like I said, you know, Carlos Carrasco, when there was even talk about trades, came back and, and did a bit of a team-friendly deal. Kristen Yelich, um, you know, saw some writing on the wall where Milwaukee was uh, tearing things down a bit. Um, had cut a bunch of payroll and maybe he was you know I talked about he could be the biggest trade asset in the world come July and instead it seems like both camps approached each other and tried to get a deal done Um, that's just not the case here and again that is nothing that uh, is wrong with Lindor going for biggest dollars but you know he does talk a lot about how him and his agent and he does reference his agent a lot and if you listen to the podcast you know that I've explained that for his agent, like Lindor hitting free agency is a necessity. That's that's going to be what makes him as an agent. You know, it's going to help him expand his thing. And you know, I've, I've become friendly, especially thanks to the drafts. A lot of agents over the years, they're good dudes trying to do the best by their clients, um, often at the expense of everything else, which is exactly what they should do. But it's Lindor halting extension talks. I mean, these extension talks were never real. So he halted nothing. It wasn't going to come to be. It wasn't going to come together. It's just, it's a knot. You know, it's its the biggest non-story in, in Indians baseball right now. Um, I, I wish him incredibly well, but honestly, the Indians' time and effort when it comes to extension should be 100% on um, Clevenger. It should be on Carrasco. Not Carrasco. It should be on Clevenger. It should be on Bieber. It should be on those guys, maybe even a Fran Mo Reyes, depending on you know how you want to look at it. That's where they should be spending their time and energy because, yeah, they're, Lindor is, is limited, and we'll have to see how this team does because, again, the question about how long Lindor will be here just comes down to 
if this team struggles out of the gate, if you know some of their pitching injuries take, some of those players take longer than expected to recover, if some of the, the young arms don't step up or if they regress from where they were a year ago, then all of a sudden you're going to be looking at a team where uh, if they are sitting there in third place and like you know six, seven games out of the wild card at the beginning of July and or six, seven games out of the division and even like three, four out of the wild card, uh, I think there's a very good chance that we would see a hotly shopped Lindor um, get moved. I think it's the the Bowers situation is just the the perfect setup to show how it would work, and I I still think that is kind of uh, something we could very much see. Um, you know, they did very well with Bauer in the end. They have done very well with trades. You know, this all time. Indian series has made me appreciate how well the Indians do with trades now after they spent the better part of 30 years somehow managing to lose every deal. I'm not sure if they're really good now or if this is just a weird karmatic situation, but that's where we are with the Indians. Um, you know, there's not, there's not too much else to talk about. I will say it is kind of interesting as I'm just sitting here with MLB trade rumors up that you, you look at the side of it and it's Verlander, going to miss the earth injury or going to miss the start of the earth injury griffin canning's going to start the season on the l Lewis serve you know with the tommy john surgery um seeing all this stuff over there just very in my face makes it clear that uh we never really know what's going to happen with the indians we never really know the situation but what has always allowed them to compete and what will allow them to continue to compete going forward isn't necessarily francisco lindor it's pitching and it's their ability to develop arms and so many other teams are stuck chasing, and the Indians have never had to chase or go into free agency um, to find an arm in eons. You know, the last free agent I can think of impact was Scott Casimir, and, you know, that was a guy who was off the scrap heap, hadn't pitched in the majors in a few years. They have these waves of arms, and for all the guys we talked about who were up here a year ago, the Plutko, the Savals, the... Um, the police acts, honestly, like Mackenzie and Allen started the year last year as bigger name prospects by significant margin than both of them. Scott Moss, one could make a case, was bigger than uh, as a prospect. Any of those guys outside of maybe Saval, uh, at least at the start of last year. And yes, all of them took steps forward, but that was to the Indians. And that's where you have to continue to trust this team and look at the Indians. And basically the idea is, you know, it, it, it's, it sucks. There's no other way to put it. It sucks to lose a Francisco Lindor. But the thought process is get as many good years as you can, ride that talent, and then trade that talent for five to six pieces and hope that you get three contributors out of it. And I think that's that, that's basically their approach to this like never-ending window that they want to do. Um, they're never going to go all in. That's never going to be their thing because um, the numbers show that once you hit the postseason, it's a crapshoot, which, you know, the farthest the Indians got was with their weakest squad with half their pitchers injured. The um, the the Nationals won last year when they were kind of a bit of a lame duck entering the postseason in a lot of people's eyes. It's uh, that's that's what we're seeing. So for the Indians, they view it as you just got to get there. And by keeping a team that's going to win 85 to 95 games, depending on situation, continuing to develop pitching because it's the most valuable trade asset. And then when you have a star trading them to maximize value before you risk losing them, that's that's just going to be the way of it. That's where we are with the Indians. That's how it's going to keep going. That may not be what you want to hear. That may not be the type of baseball that seems very fun to you, but that is what it's going to be with the Indians. So I want to thank everyone for listening. 
um, for following along. I appreciate all the feedback when I get it. Um, Twitter is still the best way to do that just because it's something I check daily. I'm not always as good about other places, so that's that's still the best place. I would like to do a mailbag either this week or next week, so please send in those questions. Um, I have a piece that should be up by the time, definitely by the time this comes out on 24-7 Sports about uh, you know my full count trends, who's up and down in college baseball. I'll have a uh, big board coming soon, and you know just to continue on that whole thing, the the Indians have you know three picks. Uh, in like the top 70 or so, maybe it's in the top 80, I can't remember exactly, but uh, very important draft for the Indians. Uh, they're going to start graduating guys out, you know, Nolan Jones, Tristan McKenzie, Logan Allen, these guys should hopefully be starting to hit this year, and that is going to open up the Indians, and they're going to have to start keeping that cycle going. Now, some of it will be through things like the Lindor trade. The other part is going to be through these drafts, so make sure to follow along and read up on that content as it comes out. As always, you all are fantastic. I love you all. Thank you for listening, downloading, reviewing, the interactions online. Anything to make this podcast better, I am listening. I think you can say a lot of things about me, but I'm trying to get better. I think that shows I'm listening to the base, and we will also get back into fun with the, with some geotagging soon as well as people enjoyed that. I have been Jeff Ellis. You have been awesome, and as always, go Tribe.